darkness of all despair that you are so, so alone. Some people have taken this text and interpreted variously. And generally, commentators would say that it is at this point that Jesus takes on the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. And in the book of John, he says, It is finished, but not just finished. It is finished now and forevermore. Which means his atonement was sufficient for all the past, present, and future. And he had done this. And so commentators say, at this point in time, God turns away from Jesus. Now various disputes happen because some people say, isn't he God himself? How can he say, how can he turn away from himself? But some people point out, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the voice of Jesus Christ, who is Son of God, Son of Man, fully God, fully man. And it is deemed in his humanity, he is crying out to God in the same way that we and all the people of the past and all the people of the future have always cried out, My God, why? Why have you forsaken me? I struggle with the cross. I've struggled with it all my life. And even now, I still struggle, not because I don't understand it, but because people ask me, explain to me why God crucifies His own Son on the cross for our salvation. And there are many words, but primarily the number one, because of our sin. I recall, even as a child, as an 11-year-old child, being taken to a movie with my mum. The first time they were showing Jesus of Nazareth. This is a long time ago. It was showing in a Rex cinema. I don't know how many of you still remember Rex cinema. And so there I was with my mum. She was taking me to watch this movie. And I saw this wonderful man who did miracles, who did healing, who spoke such wisdom. And everybody loved him and he loved everybody. But as a child, I also knew that they were bad people. All good movies must have a bad guy. And these bad people crucified him in the most merciless and painful way. And when they crucified him on the cross, I cried. I couldn't understand why. And I turned to my mom, looking to ask her, Mommy, why you bring me to this kind of movie? I couldn't ask her because she was crying her eyes out too. But later on, when the movie was over, I asked, Mom, why did that good man die? And her first answer to me was, because of our sin. I was still young. I said, why would he die for me? I've grown further and further and further. And I realize now, when we look truly deeply in our darkest parts of our hearts, the sin that sits there, the sin that makes me think the things that I should not think, the sins that make me do the things I should not do. And so we throw a lot of words, atonement, propitiation, 
expiation, salvation. We take the ones we like. But you know, for atonement to occur, He is coming in as a substitute. In our text, as we read it, we know that Barabbas was the one who ought to have been crucified. The irony of how Mark writes this is Barabbas means son of the father. Bar Abba. You know, if you ask some of your Muslim Malay friends and you say, what do you call your father? Abba. It is the Jewish word and Semitic word of endearment for father. So Barabbas, the son of the father, was offered up, but instead, the true son of the father was crucified. He was substituted for the criminal. As he lay dying between the two robbers or the two rebels or the two thieves, the two that had done what was deserving of that punishment, one turned to him and said, if you're the son of God, why don't you save us and bring us down? And the other turned says, we rightfully deserve this punishment, but he is innocent of this. Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus' words to him ring true to us as well. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Salvation, freedom, redemption, and reconciliation and entrance into the kingdom of God. All of that on the cross. Why? Why would someone want to do this? John 3.16 for God so loved the world, all of us, all. He gave His only Son that whoever would believe Him would not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Even as we ponder the cross, I'd like to read again Psalm 22. We read it just now as a Psalter. And uh, I think you responded, you know, Oh, sacred head now wounded. But I'd like you to slow down and read it again. This is a Psalm of David. And increasingly, writers nowadays say that Psalms are very prophetic in the way that it, it, it speaks of a future that has come from God. As I said, many commentators say Jesus at this point in time uh, is, being, is bearing load. He's a substitute. He is an atonement. He is a sacrifice in order to gain freedom for us to be taken out from our prison. But at this point when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While some theologians will say that's when the divinity basically separates itself, I turn instead to Psalm 22. Because Psalm 22 is the psalm which Jesus is referring to when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Let me read this again to you. Do bear in mind that when David wrote this, it is almost 700 to 1,000 years before Jesus is crucified. And so when David writes this, he's not writing just about his particular situation. He's writing about the future son of David that is coming through him. Share these words with me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. But night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that, that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. Friends, let me say this again. At the moment when Jesus is on the cross, his heart beating because of loss of blood, pounding in order to supply blood, these words are going through him. These words are what he is thinking of. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Do you recall in some of our gospel readings, Jesus says, I thirst. Do you recall even in our reading just now, they gave him uh, a sponge filled with vinegar and gall to make the pain go away. And he drank from it. We all have this thirst. We all have this thirst. And you know, when people go thirsty, they will drink anything. Dallas Willard, when he was talking about his uh, experience in the American countryside, say, when cows get thirsty for water or when they go into mineral hunger, they will chew on plastic, they will lick at gates, they will swallow nails. And when they do this, it tears their insides up and they will die. 
We all have this thirst. But only the living water is able to fill this thirst. Any other pursuit of corrupted water will eventually destroy us. And Jesus, to the end, thirsted after Christ, after God. His thirst was only quenched when he would do what God willed. Verse 16, Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They pierce my hands and my feet. Now, nowhere in the history of David do we ever encounter him going through this. But he writes a psalm of someone who is going through this. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. And Jesus is hanging naked to the whole world. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. And so in Scripture, in all that Christ did, prophecy is fulfilled. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. In verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. In other Gospels, it says, Father, into your hands I commend my soul. In verse 38, Mark God's, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I have to point out to you that the Jewish people understood what that meant. In the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in the area that divides the most holy place where the law and the, and the ark were meant to be kept, it was dividing the area where the priest would be serving, where the menorah, the light, and the altar bread was kept. It was not possible for anyone other than the priest to enter into the Holy of Holies, which is divided by this curtain. Only once a year, during the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, two bulls would be slaughtered and sacrificed. And that atonement was not just for the priests. The first bull was for the priests, but the second bull was for all the people of Israel. On this Day of Atonement, no bull was sacrificed, but the Lamb of God. And when that sacrifice was completed, then not only the priest now, but because the temple curtain has been torn from top to bottom, indicating that a power, a supernatural power, God himself, took hold of the curtain and tore it from the top to the bottom, thus giving access to all since the sacrifice of atonement has been done once and for all, a perfect sacrifice. 
And when the centurion who stood there, not a Jew, a Gentile, one who was a foreigner and a conqueror, the centurion stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died. He said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Throughout all the Gospel of Mark, the disciples could not see. The Pharisees and the Sadducees not only rejected him, despised him, insulted him, spit on him, abused him, and eventually killed him. But it took the eyes of a Gentile to see what God had done to say, surely this man was the Son of God. Verse 30 and 31, the ending of Psalm 22 says, Posterity will serve him, future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Christ has done it. He and he alone has done it the sacrifice that we could not. Praise be to God. How do we respond, brothers and sisters? How do we respond in this great act of love? We respond by remembering what he taught us on the night before he was crucified. He said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. He loved us sacrificially, giving of his whole self, even his life. And the supreme example that he gave was to wash the feet of his disciples. No man is greater than his teacher or his master. If he then, as the master, has washed the feet of his disciples, and remember this, yesterday we said he washed the feet of him who would betray him and those who would deny and abandon him. We are called to love in the same way, to love our enemies, to pray for them, and to do good to them. That is our response to Christ. John repeats this again. If once is not enough, he says it in his letter before he is finally uh, taken to the Lord. In 1 John 3.16, he says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. We began with that cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely not. In all the darkness, when we have cried out of God's desertion, our God has never left us. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Through the valley of the shadow of the death, He will be with us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in our despair, we at times raise a fist and cry out to You. In our despair and our brokenness, Lord, there are times when we feel in the darkest of places, when our face is up to a wall, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken us, Lord? Yet in our despair, Lord, we know Christ has gone through that war. That he has suffered death like us. And yet he carries us with us. And that he has given us life and life to the full. A life in the kingdom. A life never ending. And so even if in this life we go through this valley of the shadow, help us to trust and know that you are always there with us, Lord. Even when our eyes cannot see and our hands cannot feel you, Lord, help our heart and our faith, Lord, to know in spirit and in truth you have never abandoned us and you have always been with us, Lord. Continue to be with us, Lord, even as we remember Christ Jesus in the days to come until we come to Easter Sunday, Lord. Help us to remember and to enter into this death together with you so that together with you we may rise again in the resurrection. Amen.